middle cough. Baby. All right, middle cough. Uh, today, recording our podcast on a Tuesday afternoon, also happens to be live on the YouTube channel. Pulling the curtain back a little bit. We're just recording the podcast. You had the great idea. Why don't we do the podcast live on the tube? And so here we are. That's what we're doing. If you're listening to the podcast, you can always go back later and, and watch the YouTube stream. Yep, we usually go live, you know, typically between 11 and 12. I mean, not usually live. It's our first ever time live, but we usually record around lunchtime, give or take. I mean, obviously, events sometimes dictate uh, the time, but I would say typically uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, right around this time, right around lunchtime. Yeah. And so we're thinking maybe we'll do some of this. Maybe we'll start yeah. doing the podcast as a live stream as well. Why not? I like that idea. I like that idea. All right. And uh, if you want to hit us with comments, we'll get to some of that at the end of the show today. Also, like this video, subscribe to the channel, all that live stream coming for the NFL draft, um, which will be big. Yep. And the people that subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, you want to get in the mailbag that we do on the weekend. But we might do that live maybe Friday, uh, depending schedules, whatever. Leave a comment and a review, Apple iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for everyone that has. And if you use something other than iTunes, uh, we got to figure something out for you guys to get in the mailbag. You know, you can always just join the YouTube. We do some of the YouTube questions at the end of the mailbag. Spotify. Uh, Spotify. Doing well, I hear, John. Yeah. Peacock. I don't think Peacock's Peacock, a, if you're on Paramount Plus. I, I watched. HBO I did Max. Flipped, did you flip on WrestleMania at all on Peacock? No, but it's not. I mean, if you had said WrestleMania's on right now, check it out. I would have. Yeah. Oh, I did. It was... It just was pretty bad. <laughs> like, I, it, just, it just, to me, it's hard. They just didn't have the stars. Like, I didn't know the guys that were fighting. Now, they're always just big jack guys, but it's like, you know, I, I just feel like The Rock and Stone Cold and some of these guys were just way bigger. Maybe the video game. Maybe I was just younger. I, I don't know. But I was like, who are these people? The bigger emphasis on agility, positionless wrestling, you think? Yeah. The, the true big man has been lost. Yeah, I, I think similar body types. Like, you know, it just. I don't know. There was historically there was just sort of some uh, panache to the individuals. Are you talking about the physical stature of these guys? No, I think I think the physical stature has stayed pretty consistent our entire lives. Yeah, I'd say the charisma is very hitter. It's just it's kind of like a draft pick, right? You never truly know. And then once you got it, like they give The Rock a mic, they give Hulk Hogan a mic, they give Ric Flair a mic, they give uh, Randy Savage a mic. That creates this kind of persona. Part of it's no different in professional sports, right? Giving these big stars a microphone, it's like, oh, they, they, there's something there, right? Right. In football, it's some, not everyone's great behind a microphone. Some yeah. guys are, and they become Gronkowski, yeah. right? Yep. Some guys why play Vince, to it. Is why Vince McMahon's tried to get him to come over. That's why he's great for the league. Yeah. Glad Maybe Edelman will do it. Physically, though, it might be a little taxing on that. Well, he'd have body. to be one of those, like, uh, kind of, he'd need a tag team partner. I could see Edelman being more of like a jump off the ropes, do flips. Kind of like, you remember the Hardy brothers? Yeah. Yeah, he'd, he'd have kind of that vibe, you know, doing like backflips on guys. <laughs> I think Edelman would have the right vibe, though. I think he'd be good. I actually yeah. think, I could see Gronk and Edelman, they were kind of made for it. And the irony is, think of where they come from. The place that's like buttoned up and not The last place that. I know that produces wrestlers. <laughs> Shows you that Although Bill would be a great wrestling, uh, that clip yeah. you posted on on TikTok, like the moving from my bedroom <laughs> into my couch, and it's Bill. It really that Bill entrance feels like a wrestling entrance. 
And that was one as a new TikToker. I was expecting, you know, not to do much. I looked the other day. It had 9,000 views. I'm like, I want a little viral. Oh, yeah, baby. All right, everybody. We got to dive in. So, John, what do you make of this? Justin Fields' second pro day on Wednesday. I don't somebody if there's been an update Breer reported on Monday only two teams have signed up for the open gym and it's the Niners and the Patriots that's it I don't know if someone could sign up last minute but if you got to get there two teams that's it what do you think of the Niners and the Patriots being the only two ones going to Justin Fields second pro day well most of my life uh, watching this stuff very closely in the couple years I worked in it <laughs> historically I think most people have one pro day so you get the pro day schedules, and I remember being at the combine, and that's when you kind of work, you kind of get a calendar out and send this guy there, this guy there. More complicated this year, only allowed three coaches, but I think his pro day when it happened, what it feels like two weeks ago, because Kyle was at Mac Jones, it was happening simultaneously. That was a pretty big pro day, right? I, yep. I would imagine the majority of teams, aka all thirty-two, were present, were represented. The Niners were represented there. Now, obviously, Kyle and John were in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but I don't think it's that weird at all, especially with a just such a major name slash player slash prospect, right? Because if you're let's let's use the guy, the teams in the twenties, the Steelers, the Colts, just you know, just rattle off all the teams that made the playoffs: Seattle, the Rams, who don't have a pick. But why you're right now? You're in draft meetings. Why would you send someone to Justin Fields' pro day? Right. You weren't going to draft him. You've already already attended his pro day. I I really think on paper, it's one of those headlines that does kind of like, whoa, Niners, you know, Patriots, this little dual deal. But once you kind of think about it, ask around, it makes sense. All all my friends, like I'm not getting any text back because they're all sitting in draft meetings, kind of, quote unquote, setting the board. Yeah. Well, but, but finalizing the board, the board's already been set. Howie, Howie has reached back out to you. This week, uh, no, yesterday. Quiet. I think he's probably not happy. You know, <laughs> a lot going on. Took three, t- I, you, you know, you and I always talk about this. If it takes three people to write an article about you, it's usually not. Positive. In fairness, I, I, in fairness, I think the overarching theme of the article is more owner down. Did you you get that takeaway? Yes, yes. I mean, guy, Jeffy the owner's breaking down Senior Bowl film 25 years ago. It's a, it's a little weird. Blue-gray game, John. <laughs> the blue-gray game. I went to the blue-gray game once upon a time. One, so thing I, that is, one thing that is weird, though, when, a, when an article like that happens, and I think it happens a lot around this time with articles like this, only two teams, it's one of those in a building, like, everyone is reading it, right? So you're just looking around like, what are you reading over there? What the fuck do you think I'm reading? Pinterest. You know? <laughs> the, okay, so as it relates Jive. to the Niners... Look, who cares that nobody else is there? Let's talk about the two teams that are there. Well, Kyle's going. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Kyle's going. So he's interested. He has already told us he has no more need for smokescreen, which is what I would say before I threw out a smokescreen. And Bill's there. Like, one thought I had, if we're just throwing theories against the wall here, is Bill there because he thinks Kyle's not taking the guy? Like, if Kyle is taking the guy, does Bill really need to go? Or does well, Bill to me, think he's at least open-minded? I, I, it feel what I would expect tomorrow is a foursome, <laughs> a football foursome: John and Kyle, Bill and Josh. And because Josh, I mean, you do it's Bill's operation, but Josh runs the offense. It's his baby. They were together at Alabama with Mac, and part of the conversation, right, with the pictures that were going viral, was kind of the four of them chatting. Correct? Yeah. And, and I do think that. 
There is another elephant in the room of another quarterback. I think he's an Italian guy that goes that most females find very attractive, named Jimmy Garoppolo, who once played for Bill and Josh, who's now with Kyle and John. But if they draft, I talked to a friend today, actually this morning in the NFL, and he said we were talking Fields, Justin. We were talking Fields, Lance with Kyle, and he said with Lance, it would one hundred percent would not be crazy at all to Mahomes it sit him. And I think most people would agree on this. You draft Justin Fields, that fucking guy is starting day one. No one wants to see Justin Fields sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. That's insane. He's a blue chipper. He's a multiple-year starter at Ohio State. He's ready to roll. At least throw him in there and let him roll. Like Justin Herbert, like even Tua came in, right? Joe Burrow, like just throw him. Joe Burrow guy was a two-year starter at LSU, and it was really just one good year. Like I'm drafting Justin Fields at number three. He's playing. Mac Jones the same. One year, Mac Jones is one hundred percent. But it, but it's, but people would you can't draft Mac one Jones and sit him right. That, the the animal yeah. is like you got to play. I agree with you on field. I think Trey Lance is the only one where if they argue it, I think people would understand. Right, really young, raw, smaller school. Justin Fields. If they are going to pull the trigger on Justin Fields, then to me, Kyle, John, and Bill. Because obviously Josh would just, he has to do kind of whatever Bill says in terms of player acquisition. And I, maybe Josh loves Jimmy. I don't know if he was also texting Jimmy after all those five straight wins at the end of the 2017 season. We know Bill was. But I I, th- I, I would imagine it's kind of like uh, the pseudo combine. It's where, because listen, we can do deals over email. We work in the advertising space, right? We do a lot of advertising deals purely over email. And then eventually it kind of gets to a call. But. If you were doing a major deal at any time trading for a quarterback or going over serious compensation first round, you would like to be in person. It's why so many major trades, I do think, get constructed at the Combine one-on-one in person. There is just, if me and you are doing a deal and we're in person, it's more likely to do something bigger than if we're just texting or on the phone, right? Yeah, yep. And it's just easier to capture all the little nuances of human interaction, which involve, well, yeah, we like them this much. But we don't but, like him that even much. Even if I'm Bill, like, listen, guys, I know you want a first-round pick. I'm not trying to fuck you. There's just no way on God's green earth I'm giving you a first-round pick. The, yeah, the fact that they've done a deal that felt like a bit of a, uh, you know, a deal based on some friendship, some mutual respect, I think is a part of the backdrop here. Like, the fact that they did the Jimmy deal and it felt like, not it felt like, he Bill called and said, hey, you guys want him? Exploding offer. Let me know. Bye. It was like, oh, well, you're not yeah, even going to uh, take uh, other no, bids? We're not shopping. We're just sending them to you only. Uh, right? Call so me that, back like, in an hour. That makes all of this a little more interesting. Here's the other thing. The Patriots are drafting 15th. Okay? Basically, the Patriots are drafting twice as high as they are normally drafting, if you look at it a certain way in the first round. Yes. This is... So... Do foreign Patriots, territory to build. Foreign territory. Can the Patriots get Justin Fields at 15? No. no. But is part of this like... Okay, Kyle, look, we have a pretty good trust here. I know you and John Lynch have proven you can keep your mouth shut. I'm pretty sure, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, me, Bill Belichick, I think I've proven I can keep my mouth shut. So let's talk about how much you like Justin Fields right now. Like, if I'm thinking about trading up to four with Atlanta, let's just say, and I'm doing it for Justin Fields, am I going to miss out on Justin Fields because you're going to take him? Because I don't want to wait until draft day to trade up to number four because other teams are trying to trade with Atlanta right now. So I need to move up to four. But I also need to know who's going to be there at four. Just like 
you know who Robert Solid and Joe Douglas are taking. So I need to know from you, are you taking this guy? Because if you're not, I'm going to trade up to four. Like I, Call me crazy just throwing ideas around, John. I, I, that's a question I would try to ask if I were Bill, and whether or not he would do it or not. I do think there's enough trust between the two of these parties involved here, right? Enough trust between these two that they can trust one another to keep their mouth shut about the other's plans. The other thing I would throw in if I was Belichick, listen, Kyle, I only I, this head coaching thing, it's been a hell of a run. I'm just kind of tired of all the BS. I might retire, but I'm such a junkie. Maybe I'll just be a defensive coordinator again. <laughs> I mean, I, the Bay Area, I bring Linda out here. We get a place in the L.A. It's just like, And I don't want to be Josh's defense. Yeah, so it's just like I'll do, you know, Walsh, who's an inspiration to me, Niners, just a couple years in my 70s. We'll just win another chip and I'll give an FU to Brady on the way out. See, I did it as assistant again. I can do whatever I want. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Bill, yeah. Bill could have some zingers where you're like, oh. What do you think about Bill asking Kyle how much he likes Justin Fields? Do you think Kyle would tell him? Uh, no, do you think I, Kyle I, would I, give him an honest answer. I do. I, I think they, I, I think they've developed a little secret relationship. I don't think it's random that those two are coming. I don't think it's random at all. Now, obviously, Justin Fields makes sense for Kyle to be there. I don't think it's random that Bill's coming. Probably. Do you think they coordinated, we'll go to Max together, and then we'll go to Justin's together? It wouldn't shock me. if Or Bill just asked, where are you going to be? Because I'm now Bill always goes to Alabama Pro Day. Like, he's king of, like, Saban always gives him the pullover, and he puts right. it over the button up, and always looks kind of weird. And, you know, Bill doesn't care because he's wearing shorts and a tucked-in short sleeve. Yeah. Just, just something, John. No, I, not, I, not, you, so you and I agree it's not nothing. There's, there's, there's some stuff going on between those two. It's, it's a good party to be in bed with. I'll tell you that much. All right, John, before we move on and uh, talk a little bit about some of the latest with Mac Jones and some Raiders Niners stuff, uh, let's tell the people about geology, geology.com slash ham. That's where you get 40% off geology.com slash ham, G E O L O G I E. This is where the fellas go, Middlecoff. I got well, my see, guy, morning I, I, face cream. I got my repairing night cream. You know what angers me right now? Hmm. Is I had it on my desk, but I had to go wash my face last night and put on the cream. Because as someone that has oily skin and needs to wash his face twice a day, uh, you get the dirt, get the debris off, geology, you just go to geology.com, slash ham, and you uh, take a little... Questionnaire. They figure out what you need, what you don't need, what you like, what your skin type is. And then they send you specific things for your skin type. They sent me some. They sent you some. I've been using the morning and night cream. I've never been a cream guy. I'm a guy. I'm, I'm, I'm just a tough blue collar podcaster. They send me this cream. It's like, oh, put it on the YouTube. You know, I actually put some on this morning. Mm-hmm. Feels great. Supple skin. Yeah. I had a little uh, to hear whitehead popping through yesterday. Did the face wash, did the evening cream, did the morning cream. Gonzo, see you later. <laughs> Bye-bye, Tarir Whitehead. That's kind of what Gruden said. See ya. <laughs> Geology, personalized skincare for men. G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E, geology.com, slash ham, 40% off. We 40%, guy, 40%? All right. How do you beat that? No, you don't. How about Jason LaConfora, who wrote this about Mac Jones to the Niners rumors? I don't buy it. He talk, This is three uh, anonymous execs. I don't buy it, one AFC executive said. I think it's Fields at three. An NFC executive, quote, I don't know one way or the other, but I have a hard time seeing Mac Jones, the third player in this draft. Another NFC exec. This is the best one. Doesn't smell right to me. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't smell right to the rest of us. 
<laughs> so I'm glad to read some of these quotes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I've i been having some internal troubles for like a week, so I went and got some fiber gummies. That's, you talk about not smelling right. I mean, that's that's kind of, I've been having some Mac Jones coming out of you know where. It's like, this does not smell okay. And uh, it's it, it works, though. And let me tell you, <laughs> sorry, a little, little inside baseball there. Uh, here's the thing, guy. It, it, it hasn't smelled right. Super relatable. It, it just has not smelled right. I think that guy is on to something. I never remember in recent memory, beside a number one overall pick, a luck, probably a cam, uh, even the Goff Wentz thinking back, like there was who was going to be the guy, the Baker year, who was going to be the guy. Kyler, I mean, they kind of kept like a, you know, this clandestine kind of, right, kind of dark. You're like, mm-hmm. what's really going on? Josh is our guy. And Trevor Lawrence, they've basically admitted it, but it's rare the second or third. Like, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm with the anonymous executives. Now, it doesn't mean I, I would never go as far as 100% he's not going to be the pick. As someone who doesn't believe he's going to be the pick, I do believe on the pie chart there is a piece of the pie of Mac Jones could be the Niners guy. I'm not naive to the fact that there are some things that add up that way, but when you factor in his words, when you factor in the best players they've had on the Niners, when, and then when you factor in, when you follow them as closely as we do, the way that they've operated very quietly, right? G's moving silence like lasagna, and that's kind of how Lynch and Shanahan have operated the draft. I think it becomes clear, like, they don't hide stuff that doesn't matter that you know. Like, Kyle Shanahan, like, I love Kyle Juszczyk. We want Kyle Juszczyk to stay here. Kyle Juszczyk, I know they want me. I want to stay here. Boom, he stays. Trent Williams, you know, part of trading for him, we couldn't, we had to take the franchise tag out of here. He knows we love him. He knows we, we tried to sign him all year. Like, they don't hide from that stuff. You know why? Because there's nothing to hide. Like, if he hits free agency, everyone's going to want him. It's... There's not, you don't need to be secretive. I do think in the draft, and I think you could piggyback on every story that comes out of the draft, like Jerry Jones loves Kyle Pitts. You could not follow this stuff for a living or as a diehard fan for a long enough time and just not red flag all these headlines, right? It doesn't mean that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys don't want Kyle Pitts, but it's like, are they really putting that out there for a reason? Because that's what I think. I don't know what the reason is, but... Are they really putting Mac Jones out there for a reason? That's what I think. Even though Jerry might love Kyle Pitts. Kyle truly might want Mac Jones. I'm just, I, I guess I question it. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, it, it works two different ways. The other, the reverse of that is they don't share things that don't, I, I you're right. They, they definitely, the things they share are things that don't really matter. But I would also add, there are some things that we think don't matter that matter to them that they don't share. And I would say, to go back to the Belichick thing, I still think there was something untold about the way it all went down with Bill. And you remember the way the Niners talked about it afterwards, Lynch, especially when they did interviews after that trade, he was always holding something back, right? About kind of exactly how that deal or why that deal. I still think there's something mysterious between the two of them that the Niners kept quiet, which maybe serves them well now and serves Bill well now. But as it relates to this, I think I read some of these quotes and I and I, it makes me wonder if okay, how much of all the stuff that everyone was saying about Mac Jones, and I'm not dancing on that grave because you're right, it's still a possibility. But how much of all that stuff was just people kind of following that? If we really pulled the string on where it came from, it came from one or two places, right? That it wasn't really 30 different people hearing it from 30 different places. It was 
I don't want to say groupthink necessarily because I know you asked around and some people were coming up with it from real places. But uh, anonymous execs read the articles too. That's why they're quoted anonymously. Like, well, Adam, I think Adam Schefter, who's been on this podcast, yeah. did write Mike Shanahan's book. One thousand percent. But I'm just saying then 30 other people kind of said it, too. And I'm not saying they were making it up or just following Adam at all. I think they might have been talking to other NFL people who thought it. I'm just saying your anonymous execs read all this stuff. So you talk to 500 people over the course of two months. And now you which one was real? Which one did I read? Which one did somebody tell me? I, here's one thing that happens all the time. I give you respect. You don't do this. But I hear this a lot from people. It's like, I'm hearing. It's like, you're hearing it or you read it on Twitter. Which one? Because that one gets a little cloudy. I'm not a reporter. No, no, I know. know, And I'm not even saying reporters. I I think reporters are not the people I'm talking about here. I'm just talking about in general conversation. I don't even think people are trying to be deceitful necessarily. But I'll just get a text message like, I'm hearing XYZ. And I'm like, just to be clear, you're hearing it or you saw it on Twitter. And they're like, no, I saw it on Twitter. It's just a way people talk. And I want to know the difference between the two. So uh, here we go again now. Three people saying the opposite. Of course it smells funny. Of course it does. But I don't know. I don't feel my point is I don't feel any differently about Mac Jones after reading the Jason Lock and Four article than I did a week ago. I don't know what any of it means. 100%. But I do think just because every year this time, so much has happened since the last time you're here every year, right? Once you get to April 1st, it's hard to remember the previous April 1st because you just go through the entire season, right? It'd be one thing like if something happens with a child, and a year later, but not that much stuff happens in your life. Like it stays pretty like at the forefront of your mind. It's impossible on the football calendar for like, I remember last year when they were saying this, 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 and this. Well, we've heard so many stories, especially, I mean, this year, but even in a non-corona year, it's like then training camp happens then some trades happen. Then the season happens and then 7 million things happen during the season. Then you get the playoffs, then you get free agency. It's just, it's hard to remember. Like this is a thing that happens every year because you just kind of feel like this is happening again. Yeah. Even though then it happens, the draft then comes around. You're like, Oh, of course they were going to take Justin Fields. Right. Also, if it all happens all the time, it's hard to remember which one was real and which one wasn't. Sometimes there's exceptions. Sometimes there aren't. Last year doesn't have anything to do with this year. What I, I think, and I think part of it is right. I think the difference too, probably even with my child analogy, is every year it's new people, right? Every year it's just new players in a draft, new needs. So it's not, it's not like Mac Jones is like, remember Mac Jones been in this draft three straight years. Like this, uh, the hype is fake, right? No, it's like because next year there'll be a new Mac Jones. His name, his name might be Guy Middlecoff, and we'll be like, how about this dude from Florida Atlantic that came out of nowhere? And you're because and, and that's what I mean. The NFL is like cha-ching. That's why we print money because every year it's this new crop of sweet dudes. It's one thing that the NBA has really lost. Like we really know these guys in the draft. Like when I was growing up, base we've never had it in baseball because you just don't know the guys until they get to the big leagues. But when we were kids, basketball and football, you just you, you just rode their careers in college. Right. Obviously, football for three and basketball minimum a couple. Years. Like I watched Allen Iverson for two years at Georgetown. I watched Jay Williams, whoever. You can just go through the list of people in the '90s and early 2000s. So when that happens, it's a Mac Jones is a really big deal. He comes from the best program. He's just a polar. He he replaced Tua. His story is just going to be unique. And next year there'll be a Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson in that class that will have good and bad things coming out right before the draft and. 
and this is what I think scouts always get hammered home by their good GMs and coaches. Like you got to take every individual as their own entity. Like Mac Jones has nothing in common with anyone previously. Now his skill set might, but just his story, his the draft that he's in, that's a huge part, right? The draft you're in is its own marketplace. Well, well, if Mac Jones, if Mac Jones was the only quarterback, let's say Trevor Lawrence, all the other four guys did not exist. I think I get it. Like, there's only one quarterback. You kind of force might be a little Daniel Jones situation, but he's. Not, I think why he's such a needle mover. It's like how he's not as talented as these other guys, right? Where would Justin Herbert go in this draft? I see. I think it's that I hear that a lot. The Justin Herbert we talk about today on April 13th is dramatically different than the Justin Herbert who, again, even the people that liked him, like we didn't, you and I liked him. I, I knew a lot of people that liked him. Guy, everyone loves him now. I know. The so, com- yeah, based on his rookie season, he would go one. No, no, based but on see, pre- I'm saying the opposite. I don't, I hadn't heard anybody say that. I'm saying based on the way we talked about him, would Herbert be going fourth in this draft? Fifth? Yeah, I, like, I mean, I, I don't think Mac he would Jones, be a lock to go to. I don't think he'd be a lock. No to go way to. would he be a lock. <laughs> Absolutely not. If you're thinking Mac Jones over Justin Fields, then you're thinking Mac Jones over Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably go in like the four to eight range, I'd guess. Uh, ranked on the quarterbacks, I bet Zach Wilson would be viewed higher. I bet people would like Justin Fields. More. I don't think he'd be a. I don't think he'd go any earlier than the fourth quarterback. I think that's that would be his ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk about him. Like a little bit like Justin Fields, but less explosive of an athlete, right? Very similar, you know, the processing, he misses some easy it's ones, fair. but he's got physical tools. Justin Fields will go ahead of Justin Herbert based on Oregon and Ohio State, yes. I, I you think agree that this. is the comp. If he came back in this draft based on just his rookie season, is he a lock to go one? Go you ahead and take Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, could I mean, based Trevor on Lawrence? No, the guy just set a rookie record for touchdowns, <laughs> and but not even that. Just looked incredible. Yeah. Looked incredible. Um, okay. So you said to me during, uh, before the podcast, you're like, you know, I, we've got to talk about the Raiders. I really want to, we haven't talked about the Raiders enough, which I actually do agree with. Um, and as we were talking, I saw this tweet from Warren Sharp. This is not a positive thing, but this is not just about the Raiders. He said a total failure. E- the Eagle, Eagles assistant coach, Eagles Warren assistant Sharp. Warren Sharp. <laughs> a total failure of player evaluation by the Raiders. On their secondary in the last five years, the Raiders have used four first-round picks, mostly in the NFL, six second-rounders, mostly in the NFL, ten picks in the first four rounds, mostly in the NFL, and yet their pass D the last four years has ranked respectively 31st, 32nd, 31st, 26th, and the secondary is a top need again. So this doesn't relate necessarily directly to that, but it was part of the thought process that led me to this. As it relates to Mac, and we can talk about it from the Raiders' standpoint and definitely the Niners' standpoint, one thing I, I, I don't think we should say is that a player in the draft is safe unless he is one of like three or four generational players. But we say it all the time. We say it with Mac Jones. Another way to say it is low ceiling, high floor. You know, he's not an elite, elite prospect, but you're getting a solid pro here. Maybe, but maybe not because Cleveland Furl, when they drafted him, people were shocked that they drafted him where they drafted him. In hindsight, would he have been a good second round pick? Would Solomon Thomas have been a good second-round pick? Would that be value? They're NFL yeah, players. Man. Solomon Thomas no. definitely an NFL player. But Don't the, you I, want a starter in the second round? Hell, the, the idea that it's like a high floor. If a guy, if guys really had the high floors that people claim they would have, they would be. Those are those are much better players than I think people 
the players that get tagged that way usually turn into. The idea that we could guarantee anyone has a high floor, let, let me say it this simply. The idea that we can guarantee anybody has a high floor, I think is BS. And I think we over uh, attach that label like as if we kind of know what's going to happen when really we don't. Well, you, you know why, guy? Because you find out within a year, maybe two, that a guy, you could take a guy in the fourth round, right? Max Crosby, for example. The rate, Max Crosby is a better player than Cleveland Farrell. Yet Max Crosby went in the fourth. One guy went fourth overall. Solomon Thomas. He immediately started getting passed by like the Blairs and the DJ Jones and the Kerry Hyders. And, and you know right away that like your fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted free agent. Again, not no, right, you don't know right away. But you know pretty soon that like this guy's way better. Kendrick Bourne, for example. If you could do Kendrick, like Kendrick Bourne... You, he would not be an undrafted free agent, right? He would be a fourth round pick because you'd be like, well, he's never going to be a star wide receiver, but he's clearly got a high, he's a high floor NFL player. He's just a solid starting number three. What's that guy worth? But you don't know that. No one was saying like, I bet Kendrick Bourne is a high floor because no one's touching him, <laughs> right? He gets undrafted. It, ha- it happens all the time. You, you know, sometimes when you draft like a George Kittle, the Niners, and including the entire NFL, had no clue he'd be this. But his measurables, I think at the combine or maybe at his pro day, when he runs like, I think he cracked 4-5, he ran really fast. So you go, well, he has a high upside. That's true. But he still goes in the fifth round for a reason. It's like, well, I don't really see it. Maybe Iowa wasn't that high on it for whatever reason. I don't think you, but going back to what you said, I don't think you really know anything. Beside a small, small percentage of like, yeah, Chase Young's going to be good in the NFL, right? Or Trent Williams or Lane Johnson or just like some guys like Tyron Smith or even like Panay Sewell. I, I would say he'd be a guy like it's going to be really hard for him to fail. He might never be a pro bowler, but he's just going to be he's going to be a starting left tackle. But I think we've played that game before with other players at an offensive line and it hasn't always worked out. So you do have to be careful because I, I think McGlinchey is a good example of like this guy's tough he's from Philly. Notre Dame played next to Quentin Nelson. He's just going to be lock him down decade. Cause this is a statement. You know, I don't know if he's going to be pro bowls or whatever decade on the right side. Right. Like decade. Yeah. Have they, why haven't they picked up his fifth year option yet? Are they, they, maybe they will, but no one would say right now, McGlinchey decade at right tackle. Cleveland right, Farrell is decade what? at lineman. Yeah. So I, I, I think you got to be very, very, it's an easy thing to do. And I think it's a crutch in draft rooms and you and I talk about it and it's just patently false. Yeah, it's, it's false. It's a way to hedge on a guy and make people feel comfortable when they, you should not feel comfortable when you're drafting. You tell me you've been around these things. Does anyone really feel sure, like really feel sure about who they're drafting? Well, you're acquiring a human being that you just don't know is going to handle expectations and part of expectations I actually think sometimes it's easier to be a later round pick, right? If you're a guy that was never going to be a first round pick, but like you get drafted in the fourth, you're like, motherfucker, they've drafted another defensive lineman over. So right away I get a competition. I'm like, I'm going to prove I'm better than this guy, but I still got to play well to like earn my money. I'm really not handed that much. I think third, fourth, fifth round picks that internally go, God, I I thought I could have been like a second round pick. And then you see other guys at your position that are drafted high on your own team. You you find out fast competing against them, that you can play with them, that you're as good. It's easy to kind of have that fire under your ass, try to make the money. 
it is probably difficult again, dealing with human beings. When I draft a guy five overall, I immediately sign $30 million, and then immediately his skill set, he just has limitations. So yeah. even if he tries, Solomon tries really hard. Cleveland Farrell tries really hard. But what, what can you do, right? Like Chase Young can do things that those guys couldn't do in their dreams. Like they're just. And when you're drafting so like, that high, you're looking for Chase Youngs. Yeah. Although, I mean, you Khalil Max. Yeah. Maybe Nick Bosa. One or two to get him, but. But still, like top five, that's, you know, Devin White goes five. Like they can just do physically. Part of drafting a guy really high in the top 10, it carries with you your whole life. Like when I just bring up a guy's name, right? Robert Gallery, just bus. Right? I was listening to this interview with Larry Fitzgerald, and he was saying how he thought that Robert Gall or he thought that he was going to go to the Raiders at two, and then they take Robert Gallery, and then he goes three. Part of that whole story, like when you just talk about the draft, is like you chose Robert Gallery over Larry Fitzgerald, and once you become a, a Hall of Fame player, Julio Jones or whatever, we no longer talk like oh top five. He's just Julio Jones. Right. But when you're a bust or not living up to it, it's like God, un- just couldn't couldn't live up to the draft billing. Yeah, we don't I mean, even really do it with picks in the twenties. When you're a single digit draft pick, th- there's just a there's something that follows you your whole life. Yeah, the the counter, the one counter. When you don't I play think, well, I think the strong counter to that would be the one major challenge that's hard for you to overcome if you're a fourth round pick versus a first round pick is that the guys that the teams pay the money to and use the draft draft capital on just get more opportunities to succeed, right? Yeah, but my point is, though, you you get a lot of opportunities still as a fourth-round pick, at least enough to earn your keep, and then you can just pass him by pretty quickly. It can't happen. Yeah. It you get paid happen. a lot of money to get drafted high. That yeah. is one. I mean, you, you guarantee yourself before ever playing a snap, drafting him high, which is just, a, I would say, a fundamental risk in any business, paying something before you know. Like, no, no most other businesses do not work that way, correct? Like, no business would acquire another business without seeing their financials, like knowing that it's working with in pro sports. Also, I sign you to a three year it contract. Works. It's usually not. I'm stuck, stuck with middle car for three years. Nothing I can do. Right. Well, but, but I'd say most acquisitions in, in anything out of professional sports for the most part are not human based, right? They're organizational based. They're product based. When you deal with an, an individual, like it's not like you can hedge your bet. Like I don't have seven other people. I just have the one person. It's just the one, like Solomon Thomas doesn't have three other guys that can help him, right? It's just him. Like he, he yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, asset. that's, I would say sales is probably the, we just have, we got, yeah, we got 15 salespeople. Whoever makes the most money makes the most money and we they get, they get, uh, they get to work here longer, right? Well, don't you think the, the NFL would love to do a deal where it's just like, we get to pick after year one who we assign the first round money, the second round yeah. money, the third round money? Everybody but the comes PA in. would never do that. No, no. That would be no. kind of cool, though. It would be, it? but at the same time, it's like, I think there's something to building up just for the entertainment value of the whole operation, yeah. building building up stars, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I I loved your point on Kendrick Bourne. I, I just... Did, who was... The, let me ask you this. When you were scouting, it's hard because I know it's all kind of relative. Like, you might have felt really good about an undrafted free agent versus like a first round grade. Who was the person you if I said John, okay, highest floor, like pick the guy you felt the best about. It might have been but, An- Andrew Sandejo. No, but when I was with the when we drafted Danny Watkins, which is an all time bust, part of his was like, how's this guy gonna bust? He plays tackle. He could he could also play guard. He could just do multiple things. Like he's strong. He, he was dominated. older, right? He was like twenty He was older. Yeah, he had a six, different story. Yeah. He was a I mean, fireman. fireman. 
Love that pick. What? How did he? But I would. He was just uh, very, very immature, mentally pretty weak. That's another thing. Like, how do I truly judge how mentally tough you are? But once you get to, especially in certain franchises, right? If I if I'm the New York Giants, whoever I draft as the New York Giants, that and that's just an intense position. Yeah. So if you're kind of mentally weak, and then all of a sudden you're not playing well, it can just snowball. That's where I, I go back on Trey Lance. Is like I, I we don't know anything. We don't know what we think we know sometimes. But a guy who was told you're not a quarterback, come play safety for me here in Minnesota. Nobody else was interested in him playing quarterback, going to North Dakota State to play quarterback. That's that's an impressive thing that he did. That tells me something about him. Can I pretend it tells me the whole picture? No, I cannot. I cannot. I, I, I bet if we sat down with Kendrick Bourne and I'd be like, did you feel you got screwed being an undrafted free agent? He'd be like, well, I saw Cooper Cup go in the second round and I played every day right next to him. I know... Like, obviously, he has a different... They ask him to do something different than myself, but if he's an NFL player, I'm an NFL player. Right. You know, how often does that happen with guys? Now, he was a small Eastern Washington. Where it's easier at Alabama to go, well, like, if that guy's a first-rounder, first I might be a second-rounder. What I think a lot of times kids and players don't realize is, like, I'm, I just pulled up Kendrick Bourne. He basically ran a 4-7. <laughs> so, it's like, even if people thought you were a fourth or fifth-round pick, it's I can't draft. Historically, 4-7 guys that are fringe draft picks to begin with, like, I can't draft that guy. Also played in a wide-open offense, right? Like, you were like, how they much of this production around. is real? But I'd say that's aged well. Like, I'd go to For Eastern sure. Washington, probably they produce more NFL guys than the average person thinks. I mean, those two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, average person only I, thinks I would combine in Eastern Washington, North Dakota State is like one big FCS. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I, meant the whole, I meant the whole division. You can never discount the division, you know, the, the conference, the the level. <laughs> Let's see if we can find the uh, list of Eastern Washington alums. Cooper, oh, Chut! Samson Ebicam. Oh, yeah. Taiwan Jones. Uh, some guys. Great gunner. Yeah, and that, that doesn't even have the undrafted guys, which I'm I mean, there's other names here. I mean, they've got a Michael Roos. He's still in the league, right? The tackle from the Titans. Yeah. Maybe still in the league. Um, I mean, they had a third and a fourth round pick, Cup and Ebicam, come out in the same year. That's pretty good. What year was that? Eighteen or seventeen? Seventeen. Now think about that team. So they had Cup. Kendrick Bourne was undrafted free agent in seventeen. Who who was beating that FCS team? I remember their quarterback was what's his name, who was like transferred the, to Oregon, the Walter right? Payton Award winner. Transfer, it wasn't the little no, guy tra- that played at Oregon. No, no, that was uh, Adams, Vernon Adams. He was yeah, that's yeah. right. He was. And then the other guy transferred to Washington State, but because the next guy, they were going to give him the job. They became a little power. Yeah, they, they got their, they got it going on. All right, before we move on, John, let's tell the people about Rex MD. Men's health doesn't get much attention. Partly our fault, guys. We don't like going to the doctor. Middlecoff hates going to the doctor, from what he's told me. I hate going to the doctor. I think we all hate going to the doctor. We definitely don't like talking about sensitive issues. A lot of men's health issues have really simple solutions rexmd.com is here for that go to rexmd.com slash ham listen we we all got issues and rexmd makes getting prescription ed medications easy all done online you don't even need to go see a doctor Mm -hmm. and right now sample packs of ed medications are available for listeners of this podcast slash youtube show hey remember milk off i'll tell you uh, here's how it works. You fill out a quick medical questionnaire on their website and the doctor reviews your situation, prescribes you the ED medication you need, if appropriate. Then your medication is shipped right to your door. Two-day shipping, guy. Two-day shipping. 
They carry all the most popular medications and at great prices. That's key. RexMD.com slash ham. RexMD.com slash ham. Go check it out, people. Yeah, it's never been easier to take control of your health. Take those sample prescriptions. RexMD.com slash ham. Rex, R-E-X-M-D.com slash ham. RexMD.com slash ham. All right. Uh, some people on the YouTube, John, asking whether we get to the comments or not. Someone actually said, do these guys get to the comments? We will. We're hammering through. This is a lot. This is not just a live stream. It's the live podcast. So we want the people listening to the podcast to also just get the normal audio experience that they're used to. Um, Symbol Webster. Is he still in the league? He's an Eastern Washington guy. Kind of smaller receiver. Played for Tell the Rams. Tell him a question. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Receiver or DB? Well, he might have. They might have moved him, actually. Now that you've. Now that you mention that, I'm not sure. I feel like the Rams have a Webster running around back in the defensive backfield. Uh, could be wrong. It's like an NS. Yeah, it says still he's on the. It's listed as a receiver, but it okay, says he's still on right. the yeah. still still on the Rams. Speaking of, uh, I feel like I know out- four guys on the Rams, and I watch a lot about them. I just know like their four best players. I don't know a lot of their just uh, auxiliary parts. Yeah, they've got it's. It happens that way. You'll be watching. Like I'll check a box score after the final. I remember watching Gonzaga. And then I checked the box score after the game, and I'm like, there's a guy that played 28 minutes in this game. I've never heard of him. I don't even think they said his name the whole broadcast. <laughs> you know, it just happens. Well, The Athletic wrote an article yesterday, or maybe two days ago, an in-depth article on the on Les Steed and the Rams and how they've revolutionized their scouting department. They don't go to pro days. They don't go to the Senior Bowl. They send, like, one guy to the combine. Yeah. And, and part of my pushback was, well... They haven't had a first-round pick in five years. They don't have enough. Like, you, if they were drafting a guy and going to spend a lot of money on him, they would see him in person. It's one thing to be like only third rounders. Like, yeah, it's the measurables and stuff. I, I get it. I I do think there's a caveat in that story, right? If they had been doing it and nailing a bunch of first-round picks and never seeing guys in person, do you agree that story would be salacious is the wrong word, but more like, whoa, they're doing something kind of revolutionary in the game. They don't have first-round picks. If it was like, we don't trust our eyes, we refuse to look at the players. Yeah, like in person. Like, well, you trade for Jalen Ramsey. You you guys saw Aaron Donald in person. No, no, no. We didn't. We just just read the spreadsheet on Jalen Ramsey. None of us had watched him. So it's like... Hey, who is that guy? Don't look! Avert your eyes. One thing they did say is they have a way, and this is where if I was an owner reading this, I would immediately text my GM and ask, are we doing this? They get the GPS data from the colleges and are able to implement it inside the tape, yep. and they don't care about 40 times anymore. Yeah. I've talked to like somebody they, today. Their, pro, their college director w- was on record in this article like, yeah, 40 times means nothing to us. Like, the, damn. The, yeah, the question is, are, teams go- are colleges going to give that stuff to everybody or just if you treat them well? Well, I would imagine there. I need to text someone. It has to be a universal rule. No way the Rams can just be getting in like half the league doesn't. See, I wonder if there's even a rule that exists for it. To me, is it any different than just like, oh yeah, you 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 took the initiative to talk to the strength coach about a guy. He gave you some information about a guy. I now I would imagine yeah. programs say yes. I felt like they ask. get a GPS data on like the games from the teams or something. That's the way I read it, but I don't even quite understand what the GPS data is. I mean, the guys wear trackers on their sho- on their shoulder pads in practice. In practice, I've seen them in practice and definitely in games too, and they just know they can know like, you know what? Uh, he's Are they tired. Yeah, just should we dial back his reps in practice on Thursday? He went really hard on Wednesday, and not just reps, like how what is top how often he was at the top speed they can that's the other thing coaches sneaky hard to dog it because they get to see your numbers at the end of practice like were you running hard or not 
Coach, I'm tired. It's like, well, you haven't had you had seven days off. I see your whoop. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's your point on like the Broncos have said they're going to not do uh, OTAs, right? Yeah, boycott. Didn't you tell me J.C. Treader is he's the head of the Players Association, right? Did he say last week they don't want to do? That he wants the entire he wants the entire Players Association, aka every player, and I would imagine any guy that's going to get drafted to boycott OTAs, no OTA practices. Which I, I was listening one day in the car when Aaron Rodgers was on McAfee, and he thought one big reason for his success is he's felt he's got his elbows got tired the last couple of years. Just you throw so much in the off season, and he's like, I I was fresh this year. Well, yeah, he's Aaron Rodgers, right? Trent Williams took the year off, came back, and was like a top two left tackle in the league. Those guys are outliers. The majority of the league are Kendrick Bournes, right? Are undrafted, even fifth, sixth, seventh. Depending on your team, if you're a fifth rounder, it's not inconceivable. You start with the threes. You're like, God, I'm a long way away from the ones. Well, th- that guy, if you have a month of OTA slash rookie minicamps, by the end of the first rookie minicamp, you might be like, God, is that our best rookie? And then you just got everyone thinking. Now you show up to training camp. I'm not worried about like, is he our best rookie? I'm just worried about like, how do we get guys ready for week one, right? Who, we got to teach some of these rookies that are going to play the, the playbook. How do we implement undrafted free agents in the mix? Yeah. I think it's going to be, I, I get why the stars, if I was Keenan Allen or something, like I wouldn't want to do it either. Now, unless I had a bonus, like I read Albert Breer wrote, Devontae Adams makes 500 grand. I, the easiest $500,000 they'll ever make. You're working out anyway. I get it if it was like $30,000 and you make $15 million, But if you're talking $500,000, I mean, that's you're like, well, I, wait, I just practice to just get better at my craft? Like Tiger Woods doesn't get paid to hit balls unless it's a sponsored event. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. He gets paid on... Thursday, Friday. But I'm Saturday, saying, like, Sunday. when he gets ready for a major, he he doesn't get paid, right? Yeah. Or any of these guys, you just practice. Or I guess in, it's easier in basketball. Football is unique, where it's like to to really practice, you do need the team together, right? And the coaches to call plays. Yep. You can't just like, I you kind of can, but it's not the same. Voluntary, Jimmy's, John. They're voluntary workouts. Can you boycott something voluntary? I mean, that's probably that just not showing have. up. Yeah, I, I just, I wonder how many fringe guys are like, man, I, I actually wouldn't mind. I'm a good guy. I'm a hard worker. I think I'll make a good impression on my bosses, a.k.a. the coaches. Well, wouldn't you, if you were like a fringe guy? So does, that mean to be fi- does that mean you're like uh, crossing the picket line if you go just volunteer, if you go do your own workout at the <laughs> team facility? Montana would have showed. <laughs> All right, uh, let me get to a few uh, few comments here. This is from Jesse. We need Henry Ruggs to step up and have Derek Carr throw him the ball. I mean, Ruggs, there's a lot. Of, if we talk about tw- uh, 2020 rookies, how would you rank 2020 rookies' pressure levels? I mean, Ruggs has got to be up there just off the top of my head. I'd say Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager are sky high. <laughs> They're going to have a bullseye on their back. Rager for sure, but at least Rager wasn't the first guy taken. I know, but he, but in that market, he was taking over Jefferson. That's the only way it's looked at. Yeah, like the one thing about that Eagles article was like, Jeffrey Lurie wanted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and they were about to take Paris Campbell. It's like, let me check on Paris Campbell's stats. <laughs> yeah, I thought that they were going to drop like a D.K. Metcalf. Let's, I do think he, J.J. went ahead of D.K., though, right? Well, they all went ahead of D.K. because D.K. was the last pick of the second round. Yeah. So, well, think about this. One of the most amazing parts of Edelman's retirement 
is to me he is the NFL, right? That's a great now he's he's probably more unique because he changed positions like that's not normal. But a seventh round guy, small school guy, coming to a team, I bet when he showed up, like how the fuck am I going to do this? Right? They had Welker, they were loaded, they were they were already a powerhouse, and he just kept willing his way, started doing special teams and just impress guys. I would imagine if we could talk to Belichick, he'd be like, "Yeah, we we kind of we knew we had something in in through OTAs and training camp with this little guy. He had a long way to go, but we like we loved his toughness and we had something. And then uh, he, you know his career, what a career, exceeded any expectations. But you know whose career I went and looked at because of Edelman's. I'm like, God, this Edelman career, Super Bowl MVP, three rings, Heinz Ward, two rings, yeah. Super Bowl MVP, like. I think Edelman's going to finish with just shy of 7,000 yards. Hines had 12,000 career receiving yards, more touchdowns, obviously a great blocker. Hines had a hell of a career. Not, I mean, that's sort of Edelman. Edelman's career is like to me, Edelman is not one of the all time greats, quote unquote, whatever. You, the story of the NFL has to include Julian Edelman because Julian Edelman did, was a key piece of one of the great dynasties. Did you, in the did you go, guy, just go to Hines or not Hines Ward? Uh, Edelman's Instagram of just the video and just the people that were replying. I mean, it was 7 million blue checks, not just Patriots, but like John Bon Jovi of just people like Jules, you, you, the respect I have for mm. you. And it was re- the same type deal of Heinz Ward. The difference I would say for Heinz, who I, I actually, that's, I like that comp, right? Just the Steeler fans, the reverence, I'm sure they hold Heinz. Like if I was a 40 year old Steeler fan, I'd be like, Heinz is one of my favorite players ever. Just like if you met a Patriot fan, be like, I fucking love Julian Edelman. Hines did come from Georgia and was a third-round pick, right? To me, Edelman, Kent State, quarterback. He clearly wasn't going to be a quarterback in the NFL. To go on to have a career like that, who I misread a Field GH tweet. He was uh, he did not have better numbers in the playoffs than Jerry Rice, but second in catches and yards in playoff history behind Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Were you on a gummy at that point in time? No, I just, I it didn't quite, because it, it kind of made sense. I'm like, God, he's played in all these games, right? Yeah. Jerry's a little out of sight, out of mind. Let's, uh, so um, we have a, a sales call we have to do with an upcoming sponsor uh, at the top of the hour, but I want to get to some, before this ends, some of the YouTube comments, because so many people, we appreciate you guys getting in. Um, so let's get through, let's hit a few of these. Uh, from the five quarterbacks, who has the most potential to be a bust? of the top five quarterbacks. Like, I don't think it's, this is goes back to what I said before. I don't think it's crazy. If you said Mac Jones, well, I think he is the answer, but he has a higher bust potential than Trey Lance. Yeah. Uh, Johnny says Cleveland got drafted over Devin white, Devin Bush, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, the defensive end, not Josh Allen, the quarterback. It stinks. All the people, uh, Delondis, all the people trying to talk everybody into a Kurt, cousin clone is going to scare the nfc west is beyond dumb <laughs> i think back back to cleveland farrell yeah i think he's one of the bigger wow picks in recent memory non-quarterback it was pretty like what yeah i mean the other one that comes to mind mario williams going one better pick a lot of people you know ahead of reggie bush Sammy Watkins when the Bills traded to the Browns to and Cleo Mack fell to the Raiders. Remember that I was like, yeah. oh, that, well, that was a big one. We were, were you there with? Were you at Raiders HQ for that? I think the Coliseum. Was it was the draft yeah, party yeah, at the Coliseum, yeah, yeah. and it was because I remember Papa started going, "They're going to get Khalil Mack. They're going to get Khalil Mack." <laughs> I was like, whoa. Uh, JD says, "Bring Kelvin Benjamin on the podcast." Something happened. I don't know. 
the Florida State wide receiver that was really kind of chubby? Uh, Runaway Turtle says, John Beck, who scripted the first pro day for Fields, isn't going to script the second pro day. Tentative plan at the moment is for the personnel to present a play and play a more active role in running it. I saw this about Trey Lance, too. This is kind of the workaround for a private workout is you just get a second team and you guys go, oh, it's a second pro day, but it's really kind of a private workout. How many viewers would NFL Network get if they said tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, Josh McDaniels, Kyle Shanahan running the the Justin Fields workout? Mic'd up. Would you miss that? Mic'd up, right? right. Like they're yeah. mic'd up for this. <laughs> Belichick and Kyle. Is that doing 3 million people on, on, a, on a Wednesday be morning? a big watch. <laughs> I'd be more fired up for that than half the Thursday night football games. Well, they've got I, I'd, I'd also want Belichick involved. Uh, this this question on the uh, YouTube comments, what do you make of the stories of the Pats and Cowboys both calling Atlanta for the fourth pick? I mean, I don't think nothing of it since I, I hadn't... I mean, it's part of my Belichick being at this Justin Fields Pro Day theory and needing to know who Kyle's taking at three. He wants to do the trade and potentially, but you don't want to wait till draft day because someone else could do it. But you also want to know who's going to be there at four the same way the Niners want to know who the Jets are taking at two. I didn't read that the Cowboys had sniffed around for the number four pick. Did you, I think that you? goes back to some of the Kyle Pitts talk, maybe, but I'm not sure. Well, okay, then do you know where my uh, kind of red flag detector would go off there, a lie detector? Would be Atlanta's trying to draw up a market, right? You're saying they sh- they are or they're not? Well, now they can't convince anyone that the Panthers would trade up. Right, right, right. So they, they need another team. Like, Bill's like, hey, man, I'll give you 15 and next year's one and like a two later. That's it. And like, we want more. It's like, well, that's all I got. Uh, this person says, prediction, Zach Wilson will refuse the Jets knowing the team he's been public about liking is picking third. Oh, try and force his way to the Niners. I will say this for the Jets. From what you've told me about Joe Douglas, from what I've observed, we both have been to Robert Salas press conferences, from what you hear about Mike LaFleur, I think it's easy in the moment to sit down with those guys and go, this is an impressive operation. I'm just me. I haven't been following the Jets for 40 years like the rest of you. I'm just Zach Wilson, and these guys are impressive. I'd be fired up to play for them. That's not a crazy thought to me. No. Most guys want to go to New York. All right. That is how you do This was the live recording of our podcast. We were streaming. I might just introduce myself. I always do like I'm a podcast. I might just say I'm a streamer. Streamer. (laughs) But you have to say... People like, uh, hey, I'm Bob. Uh, I'm an insurance. You go, I'm John. I'm a streamer. <laughs> I like that. I'm a streamer. That's what I'm going to start calling myself, a streamer. All right. Good pod, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for your comments. I- Don't forget, we'll be. I guess we'll do this again. The podcast, just stream it live, and uh, we'll be here live YouTube stream on NFL Draft Night. Don't miss that. Peace. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.